Good morning. If, if this is your first time here with us at Destiny, I want to say welcome. But not just me, I think everybody else would like to welcome you. So on the count of three, if everybody could welcome our first timers, one, two, three. All right. Uh, thanks for being here with us today on the very last Sunday of the year. Uh, we won't take it personally that you waited for the very last Sunday of the year to be a guest at our church. Uh, we're happy to have you here with us today. If it is your first time, uh, after service out in our lobby, we've got a little table for you. You can go and, and tell our people back there that, hey, this is my first time here, and they'll give you a sweet gift for you to take home. But we're so happy that you are here today. Uh, my name is Mark Bell, and I am... Um, who's clapping just for my name? Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I didn't pay these people to clap when I said my name. My name is Mark Bell. Uh, I'm the family pastor here at Destiny Church. Um, our lead pastor, Matt Bell, is in Monterey, Mexico this morning, and he is ministering at one of our missionaries' churches there in Mexico, uh, Steve and Rebecca Lee. They have a church there in Monterey, so Matt is there ministering with them this morning. They are also, this evening, going to be celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. So Matt is there ministering to them, and Heather went with him as well. So Matt wanted me to send you his greetings. And um, so Pastor Matt's not here today, so I'm going to be sharing the word with you this morning, and I'm really looking forward to it. So if you could open your Bibles to Ephesians 5. So what did we just celebrate on Wednesday? Christmas. That's right. Good. I'm glad y'all realized that. So Christmas is over now, though, right? Is anybody sad about that, that Christmas is over? Uh, Christmas night, Ruthie, my six-year-old, she was almost in tears because Christmas was over. And she was asking how many more days until Christmas again? <laughs> Because uh, at our house, we have this little countdown thing where we change it every day, counting down the days till Christmas, but it only has two digits. So I said, well, you're going to have to wait a while until you can use that again, because we have a little bit longer. But that's, that's how we are as people. When something is over, we are looking forward to the next thing. Uh, I just went and saw the latest Star Wars movie, and without giving any spoilers, but they said that's like the end of Star Wars, but already I'm wondering what's coming up next. What is the next thing? What are they going to do with Star Wars? And that's how we are with people. When something ends, we look forward to the next thing. So what's next? What are we looking forward to next? Uh, Christmas is over. Who said New Year's? Right, okay, that's, that's what I was looking for. So New Year's is coming up. We're a few days left in 2019. And has anybody sat down and like put a list together of New Year's resolution? Has anybody done that? No? Yes? Maybe so. Um, I used to do that, but I stopped because I hated feeling like a failure by mid-January of everything that I didn't keep. Um, for example, I think since 2010, my main resolution was to bulk up and to build muscle. And if you have eyes this morning, you know that I have failed at that every single year. So I've stopped making resolutions, but for all of us, we, 
look forward to the new year because a new year is new opportunities, new things, new possibilities, right? It's a clean slate. It's a fresh start. Maybe some of you in here didn't have the best 2019, and maybe you're really looking to looking forward to flipping that calendar on Wednesday and starting a brand new year. But this year is special. We're not just starting a new year. We're starting a brand new decade. And so with that in mind, with New Year's coming up, I chose this passage to, to bring forward to you today uh, in Ephesians 5. But usually when we're putting together resolutions, it's kind of physical things, right? Like we want to lose 15 pounds or maybe try to stop smoking or drink less uh, soda or eat healthier. And it's these things that we try to do for our physical selves. But I'm hoping that after today, you will take home with you a challenge for more of a spiritual resolution. So I believe in our passage today that Paul is going to show all of us how we should approach the year 2020. So if you could go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians 5, we're going to start in verses 1 and 2. And in those verses, Paul says this. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So he says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Piece of cake, right? No big deal. Just be like the perfect, all-supreme being, creator of the universe. Um, obviously not. This is not an easy thing that Paul is starting off this chapter asking us to do. But he says, be imitators of God as his beloved children. And if you are in here and you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are God's child. You have been adopted, you are his son, you are his daughter, and with that comes this glorious inheritance. But also part of being God's child is the expectation that you will live your life like God. Being a Christian, another way to say that is you are Christ-like. So part of being a Christian is the expectation that you will be an imitator of God, our Father. How many of you have heard the saying, like father, like son, or the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? How many of you have seen that in your life, maybe with your children, or you've seen with your parents that you are starting to do things that look like your parents? Uh, about 15 years ago, it was around Christmas time, and I was riding in the car with my dad. We were going Christmas shopping. Uh, believe it or not, back in the day, you used to get in your car to go Christmas shopping. Um, you didn't just do it all from your computer like we do today. But anyways, we were riding in the car, and he was playing some Christmas music, and this song came on, and it was something that I had never heard before. It was like this crazy carol with these like synth keyboards, and I said, Dad, what is this? What are we listening to? And he said, oh, son, this is Mannheim Steamroller. And... I said, what is a Mannheim steamroller? I thought this was something that he made up, some name that he just made up off the top of his head. Uh, if any of you knew my dad, you knew that he could say some kind of crazy things off the fly. Um, for instance, he used to tell us stories at night of a guy named Suburban Stomach and a character named Slimy Corkscrew, okay? So him saying 
Mannheim steamroller, I thought he was making it up. Anyways, I ended up really liking his music. And so now for the last 15 years during Christmas time, one of the first artists that I load up on Spotify is Mannheim Steamroller. And so fast forward 15 years, and this year, a few weeks ago, we were riding in the car, and I put on some Mannheim Steamroller, and Ruthie says, Dad, what are we listening to? And when she said that, it like triggered me back 15 years ago, and I said, oh my goodness, I'm becoming like my dad. And so... In the same way, we are to imitate our Heavenly Father. Just like with our parents, we spend the most time with our parents in our formative years as we're growing up. We talk the most with our parents. We know what our parents like. We know what they dislike. And as we spend time with them, we begin to look like them. In the same way, we should look like our Heavenly Father, when we spend time with Him, when we spend time in His Word, when we spend time in prayer, when we talk with Him, when we pray, we should look like our Father. And more times than not, this happens, but there are times where we can look at our lives and say, you know what, I really don't think that I am imitating God. But Paul says the best way to imitate God is to walk in love. And then he says, if you want to know what walking in love looks like, look to Jesus and the example that he set. Look at his sacrificial love, because Jesus was God in the flesh. In Colossians 1.15, Paul says this of Jesus. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So if we want to know what imitating God looks like, we look to Jesus. And if we want to see the greatest example of love, we look how Jesus loved. Jesus' love was a sacrificial love. Jesus' love was a love that was poured out for other people that didn't put himself first, but put the lives of other people before his. And then it says that his sacrifice was a fragrant offering. Now, back in the Old Testament, the Israelites would have what were called burnt offerings, where they would take sheep or goats or doves, and they would sacrifice them and burn them on the altar, and the aroma that went up was known as a sweet-smelling savor to God. And for a while, this aroma would satisfy God's wrath for their sins. But thankfully, Jesus' sacrifice was a once-and-for-all sacrifice, that he doesn't have to die multiple times, that he died once and that sacrifice was enough for all of our sins. How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you are thankful that today when you came and parked your car, we don't also have a parking lot for sheep and goats that you have to put your animals there that we can go and slaughter after service to do a sacrifice? I am very thankful for that. And so as we think about walking in love and imitating God, I want you to begin reflecting on your life, the people that you have in your life, the people that are in your life, your friends, your family, your coworkers. How are you imitating God to them? Do, if, if I were to walk up to your random family member and say, hey, does so-and-so imitate God, what would their answer be? Um, some of you laugh. That's a little scary. But that should be our hope. And, and as we're talking about resolutions, 
really, if you wanted to put a title to this message today, it would be Walking in Love in 2020. My hope for all of us today is after this message that we would desire to walk in the love, the sacrificial love that Jesus showed us while he was here on this earth. And so for many of us, in order to get to this point of imitating God, to live life like God, to live and love like Jesus, there's probably some things in our lives that we need to purge. There's probably some things that are holding us back from looking like God. And so Paul goes on in verses 3 to 6 to list a few of these things. And he says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So Paul's not messing around here. Um, Paul doesn't say, you know what, sexual immorality isn't that good, but, you know, if you love each other and if you don't want to wait till you get married and you know you're going to be with that person forever and if y'all both feel like you're at the right point in your life or you understand what the step that you're taking go ahead and do it, that's okay with me. That's not what Paul says. In fact, Paul says it very strongly that sexual immorality shouldn't even be named among you, that we should not be able to identify ourselves at all with this. And not just with that, but with idolatry and with coveting things, that that shouldn't be named among us. Now, God designed sexual intimacy to be something beautiful. And when it is done in God's way between a man and a woman in a covenant marriage relationship, it is something very beautiful. But when we take that and distort it and do it uh, the world's way, it becomes something that is broken. It becomes something that causes heartache. It becomes something that causes a lot of pain. And so Paul is warning them here, look, you want to live like God, you want to look like God, you want to love like Jesus, these are some things that should not even be associated with you as a believer. And this is something that the world has just totally taken and corrupted. The world says, you know, if you're happy, if the other person's happy, do whatever you want with whoever you want, however you want, and we just want you to please yourself. But that is not God's way. And we see that if you do things apart from God's way, not only does it produce pain and brokenness, but it will ultimately lead to death. And you will have no inheritance of God's kingdom. So then Paul goes on to talk about filthiness and foolish talk and crude joking. And I think it's interesting that Paul lists this with maybe some of these other sins that we look at as like really bad. The fact that he talks about dirty jokes and foolish talk, that that is right up there. But as children of God who have been adopted by God, who are now part of the family of God, we shouldn't be speaking anything that doesn't glorify God. Now, you might be thinking, oh, it's just a silly joke, or what's the big deal? 
But how many of you have heard a dirty joke, and maybe it was a long time ago, and you still remember it? Um, I have. I, I heard a joke when I was like 15, and I still clearly remember it. And so for us who are wanting to imitate God, who are wanting to share his love with people, we shouldn't be people who puts these thoughts of filth and crudeness in other people's minds, because that is not going to help us imitate God, that's not going to help others imitate God as well. And so then in verse, um, let's go on to read verses 7 through 11, and Paul says this, Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Bless you. And so Paul also says not to be deceived. The devil wants to deceive you. The devil wants you to think, you know what, telling those jokes, you know what, fooling around with your girlfriend, really it's not a big deal. You're not hurting anybody. You just do what you do, but that is deception. The devil has come to do three things to you, and that's to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy your relationship with God, and he will use many ways of deception to do that. I've often, not often, but a few times I've heard Christians say, you know what, I don't feel convicted about what I'm doing, and so it's not sin to me, and I tell them, you are being deceived. That is a lie. It doesn't matter what you are feeling. It matters what the word of God says. And what, if what God's word says goes against with what you're feeling, you need to line up with what God's word says. But so easily we can become trapped and be deceived. But then in, in these verses 7 through 11, Paul says, don't fall back to that way of life. You have been saved from this. At once you were children of darkness, but now you have been given the light of Christ. Don't fall back to this way of living. And Paul doesn't say at, at one time you were in darkness. He says no. He says you were darkness itself. That before we came to Christ, we were darkness. We were blind. We were walking around not knowing what we were doing. But now, thanks to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, we have his light. We know what is right and wrong, and now it is our job to go and shine that light into the darkness. And so Paul is warning the people in Ephesus, and he's telling us, don't fall back into that lifestyle. And the world today, as you look around culture, as you see all the shows on TV and on Netflix and on Amazon. Uh, me and Carrie, a couple nights ago, we wanted to maybe start a new TV show. And so I was looking around, and almost every single new show that's coming out is TVMA. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't even pick a show to watch today that isn't full of trash. And so we need to be careful not to be sucked in, oh, but all my friends at work are going to be talking about this show. You know, it's an amazing show. The story's really good, so I'll just close my eyes during these parts. We need to be careful not to become trapped and to fall back into what we have been saved from. Amen? 
And then in verse 10, Paul says that we have to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And so this takes effort. This isn't something that just happens easy, that we know what the Lord likes and what he doesn't like, but we need to really look at our life um, really from day to day and say, are the things that I have in my life, is it pleasing to the Lord? Is my relationship with my coworkers, is the way that I talk to people at work, is my relationship with my spouse or with my boyfriend or girlfriend, is it pleasing to the Lord? And if it's not, what do you need to do about it? You're not just going to accidentally stumble into a life that imitates God. Being an imitator of God, it takes work and it takes um, surveying your life and looking at your life constantly to see what it is that you need to adjust. So let's go ahead and look at verses 15 and 16. We're going to skip down a few verses. And Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So Paul is saying, Be careful how you walk. How many of you parents have said to your kid once or twice or a thousand times, Watch your step, watch where you're going, look out, be careful? when I'm with my kids, I say that a lot. Um, I'm kind of, I don't know if you, it's called a worry wart, but I, I usually see the worst case scenario happening, happening anytime. So when I'm with my kids and we're at a playground, I'm sure they get tired of me saying, watch out, be careful, watch your step. But we as parents, we know things that they don't know. We can see the danger ahead that they may not see. And we, it's because we have wisdom that they don't have. They may not sense the danger of, you know, a two-year-old coming and walking right on the edge of the stage, which they try to do from time to time. But we see it. And so we try to warn them to help them. But in the same way, we can be like that in our spiritual walk. We can get sucked into something that looks tempting or looks fun or looks cool or is what, you know, culture is giving into, and we can jump into that without being wise to the repercussions of what that decision is going to make, without thinking about what are these choices that I'm making now, what is the long-term effect going to be? And so Paul is saying, be careful, look out, slow down before you jump into doing something and really think about, is this a smart choice? Is this choice that you're making, does it help you imitate God? Does it help you walk in the love that Jesus showed us? Is it showing love to people in your life? So Paul is warning us to be careful with our walk. And then verse 16, again, it says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so this verse, this is going to be one of my theme verses for 2020, to make the best use of the time that I have in 2020 because I realize that the days that we live in are evil. Now, if you turn on the news or pick up a newspaper or however you look at the news, you'll notice that we live in some evil days, that there is stuff happening each and every day that is tragic. And the reality is that we live in a fallen and broken world that is full of sin And it is full of sinful people doing hurtful things. But also the reality is, is that 
the people in this world that are living in this broken world that don't have Jesus, when they die, they will spend eternity separated from God unless we do something about it. And so Paul is saying, look, you only have a little bit of time here on this earth. What are you going to do with that time? How many of you know someone who is just like super productive, that it seems like they can get 10 times as much done in a day than you can get done? Um, I know a few of those people at my old work. Um, there was one of my managers. She could put together like 10 reports in Excel, color-coded and super organized and detailed um, by the time it took me just to look through my email. And she was like, you know, I have this ready. Where are you at with this report? And I'm like, I'm just opening up Excel. That's where I'm at. <laughs> but usually these people... They have a mission. They have a purpose. They, know, they care very much about the work that they are doing. And so they take the time, they take the energy, they take the effort to put in to make sure that they are making the best use of their time. Usually these people aren't spending half of their day on social media. Um, they, they can't tell you what happened in each and every reality TV show that just happened because they care about their time. They take their time seriously. And so for us as Christians, we have much more at stake. What could be more at stake than the souls of people? And so what are we going to do with that time that we have been given? Are we going to be productive with our time? Are we going to take the steps that it takes to plan out our time, to be missional with our time? How can we identify people in our life that need Jesus and then be proactive about it because the time that we have here on earth is short it's not promised and I would hate to get to the end of 2020 and look back and say you know what I probably could have done more with my time I probably could have done more for the kingdom of God with the time that I was given and so my hope is that we can start 2020 with this goal to make the best use of our time to imitate God to walk in love, to walk in that sacrificial love that Jesus has showed us. <clears throat> because that's what matters. What, what's more important, the, the souls for the kingdom of God or the latest and greatest show on TV or what people are doing on social media? And don't get me wrong, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter probably too much, I do watch shows on TV. I'm not standing up here and saying I've cracked the code to um, spiritual productiveness, okay? I'm preaching to myself as well. But I know that there are steps that we all can take to make the best use of the time that God has given us. And so before I pray this morning, I would like for y'all to do some reflecting in your own life. The people that you have in your Life, the people that you are affiliated with, that you know need the love of Jesus in their lives. And start to, to put a plan in place. How can I reach them? Okay, if I shared the gospel with them, they would just totally run away in the opposite direction. Okay, so what is a step that you can take closer to that so that when you do share the gospel with them, they are more receptive? And as I pray this morning, I'm going to trust that God will help you to make the best use of your time in 2020, that God will 
fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit to help you to walk in this sacrificial love. Because this isn't something that we just wake up and say, yeah, you know what? I want to sacrificially love like Jesus did. I want to do whatever it takes for the people that don't like me, for the people that hate me, for the people at work that think I'm a weirdo because I read my Bible. I want to do anything I can to reach them. That's not something that we think on our own. That's something that takes a special work from the Holy Spirit. And so I truly believe that if we desire these things, that God will be faithful to grant it to us. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. And as I do, like I said, have those people in mind and be serious about this. How many of you can say that in 2020, you, you do want to make it a goal of yours to, to walk in the love that Jesus showed us? Amen? And so, and not that it's bad to have the other resolutions, you know, to lose weight or to eat healthier, but I think this should be at the top of our list, to live 2020 with a mission in mind. Because, you know, when, when Jesus ascended into heaven, when he told his disciples to go and preach the gospel, he didn't say, you know, go and preach the gospel uh, unless you have a fisherman's meeting to get to first, you know, go do that. And then if you have extra time at the end of the day, go and tell people about Jesus. No, it was a command. It was something that Jesus expects from all of his believers to be missional, to be proactive, and to love like he loved. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, thank you for this passage that you um, shared through Paul. Lord, I pray that us, as we look back on 2019, Lord, as we reflect on what you have done, Lord, I pray that you would um, bring to mind people in our lives that need to experience your love. And Lord, that you would use us to be your agents of love in 2020. God, that we wouldn't look back at the end of 2020 and say, yeah, I, I really wasted a lot of time or man, I could have done more. I, I should have told so-and-so about Jesus or I should have invited so-and-so to church. But Lord, that we would wake up every single day in 2020 with lost souls on our heart. And Lord, that we would make the best use of our time for the kingdom of God in 2020. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would bring people to mind in our lives who we can touch. Lord, people who we can share your love with. Lord, if any of these things that I mentioned, things that we need to, to get rid of in our lives, things that we need to reevaluate how we are spending our time, Lord, if there are those in here today that maybe feel convicted, that know that there are areas that they should spend less time in, God, I pray that you would grant them that, that power to make that decision and to say, you know what, I'm going to lay down the TV remote and I'm going to open the Bible. God, that as they do that, that they would begin to imitate you more and that they would begin to walk in love, Lord, as we saw the greatest example of sacrificial love through your son, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for these things and we just pray for a great rest of the new year, rest, rest of the old year, and as we move into 2020, Lord, that you would fill us afresh with fresh vision for what you want us to do what you want us to accomplish. And Lord, we know that we cannot accomplish anything without you. And so Lord, fill us with your spirit today so that we can do these things. And as we do them, 
that it would glorify you, that it would point people to you. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.